Collaboration is critical for success. I'm sure many of us are aware how eye care and ear care goes hand in hand. As an eye care doctor, did you know you can now screen your patient not just for eye problems, but also for any hearing loss? You can screen your patients, create awareness, and also treat them for mild to moderate hearing losses. Just like giving them readers, there are many solutions in the hearing aid space that can be provided by you to all your patients. A supporter for this episode, Eye and Ear, brings the exact same collaborative program that you are looking for. This solution is specially designed for all eye care professionals to help them not just significantly increase their revenue, but also provide a complete new service to their patients. A new vision in hearing care can begin with you. To avail a 50% discount on an onboarding program, do check out the description below. With that, let's get started. One said, we are changing the world with technology. And this is absolutely true in today's world where most of us always spend our time using some or the other kind of technology. Hello everyone and welcome to Nerdy Optometrist, a podcast channel for all things optometry. And this is your host, Ukti Mora. If you have been recently keeping track with all that we are discussing recently on Nerdy Optometrist, you would have definitely heard our previous podcast, which did highlight on learning disability, dyslexia, and the fact that, you know, how prevalent it is in the country or in the world. Today, we have an amazing guest who's going to help us understand the future of learning disability. And I'm really happy and privileged to have Mr. Jeffrey Williamson to be part of this amazing episode. Mr. Williamson is serving as the CEO of Vision Solution Rx Inc., which was founded in June of 2021. Mr. Williamson is a dynamic, innovative, and a seasoned entrepreneur with more than 20 years of global experience. He successfully launched Ingenious Technologies LLC, an AR IT software company, and developed two successful IT solution products for the market in 2018. Not only that, he's also been awarded. Recently, he received the Intercon 2020 Top 10 Tech Visionaries Award and an IFAH 2021 Top 100 Healthcare Visionaries Award. Mr. Williamson holds a BS degree in biochemistry, a master's degree in monocular biology, and an MBA degree. He's a member of the International ARVR Association and sits as a council member for their health and educational vertical. He's a member of National Small Business Association Leadership Council, as well as is on their technology council. He has an immense background and things that we would like to learn in this episode. With that, a warm welcome. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. So I know you have done a lot of uh, uh, entrepreneurship and you know you have a lot of experience in this but I would like us to step back and understand a little bit about where this all started so I want to go way back and understand more about your journey and how did you end up you know doing what you're doing today sure sure thank you um, going a, a little ways back uh, I'm obviously as you mentioned I'm classically trained in the sciences um, but I'm not an optometrist I don't come from the optical field um, it was by happenstance that I, I moved into this uh, in 2017 when the iPhone 10 first came out. Uh, it came out in November, um, and uh, Apple does what Apple does. It was cheaper to upgrade to the Apple 10 than the Apple 8 at the time, 
So I, I upgraded when it was my time to upgrade. And I took the phone home and showed my, I think, three or four-year-old at the time, uh, the emojis that were the popular thing when the, when the iPhone 10 first came out, right? And using the AR technology for the first time. And for the next four days, I had her tugging on the back of my shirt, daddy, 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 I want to be a unicorn. I want to be a unicorn. And I said, if there's that much pent up demand at that level, is Apple missing the boat on some things? So why aren't they going after uh, copyrighted and licensable caricatures? Why isn't Disney involved in this? Why isn't Ronald McDonald, you know, and, and Hamburglar from the from way back when. Um, and being the entrepreneur that I am, I said, well, let me look into this. Let me see if I can do that. And in January of 2018, uh, I was making phone calls. And unfortunately, the iPhone 10 was so stupid new, there weren't developers working in this AR space because they didn't even have the devices yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the next three weeks, I put it out to the world and said, can someone do this? Can, can someone actually create something along, along the lines of what I'm trying to do? And I, I interviewed 12 different companies worldwide, settled on two, one in the US and, and, and one actually out of Uruguay. And it turns out that they were very complimentary. I worked with them both. One was on the front end on the, on the actual imagery. The other was on the back end, making the imagery anchor on from an AR perspective. And within six months, we went from a napkin concept to a, a publishable app on the market that uh, we had, for instance, 24 college mascots. So you could be Brutus Buckeye, you could be Sparty Spartan, and you could trash talk on social media being the mascot head. And, and it turns out the we went down the political route. So we, you could be Donald Trump, you could be Barack Obama, you could be Hillary Clinton, um, you could be Kim Jong-un, right? We were agnostic on what was said. We just wanted people to be talking and using it, right? And during that process, we were adding things like helmets, hats, and, and cartoony sunglasses, unicorn. I had to have the unicorn <laughs> horn, obviously, for my daughter. Um, and then Apple does what Apple does, and, and, and they do a late-minute shift, and we're going to upgrade and update the system. They don't tell developers exactly when that's going to occur. So we were caught off of, uh, off guard and there was a little glitch in, in the software. And that glitch was the emoji head wasn't there, but the accessories were. So I could put on the hat, I could put on the unicorn, I could put on the, the sunglasses, uh, but, the, but you'd be over top of my own face. And I said, well, that looks too much like Facebook uh, sticker or an Instagram filter. Get it out, guys, take it out. Um, two weeks later, I remember distinctly three o'clock in the morning, I wake up from a dead sleep. It was an aha moment. I wrote it down in my journal next to my bed. And I said, eight o'clock in the morning, I'm on the phone with my IT guys. I said, time out. I want you to put it back in. And they're like dumbfounded. Why? You already told us we agreed with you. We're going to take it out. And I said, this time, put it back in. But I don't want you to use a cartoon glass. I want you to use a 3D CAD file, one-to-one scale of an actual represented pair of glasses. And I I want to see how close we could represent in a virtual try-on environment. Within 48 hours, we proved that we could do it. There was some tweaking, but we retooled. We, we abandoned that, and I, that was a major company pivot. Um, and then we went down that path. And within four months, we launched the product. Um, but if you're looking at date and, and, and adding up months from that, we launched February 10th of 2000, 
20. So you know exactly what happens. So for a good solid 10 days, COVID has hit, the world has turned upside down, and we're all looking at each other saying, what now? But because we were priming the well, we were, talk, we were attempting to talk top down from the manufacturers, from the distributors, and we're talking bottom up from the ECP perspective. We were getting phone calls after 10 days, COVID hit, and people were starting to recognize time out. Traditional retail is going to die or is going to be extremely impacted over the next several months. We need to focus in on alternatives where we found like 90% of ECPs at the time didn't have an e-commerce system. That was a major focus. And why not put virtual try-on in the mix? Um, and candidly, for about six months, we didn't develop any further. We listened. We literally just listened to the market and said, how can we make this better? And after about six months, after about three months, rather, we caught wind and started saying, what if we did this, which turned into our second product uh, integrated into it, which was virtual measuring, using the same technology in your, uh, in your phone and unlocking your phone. Uh, we're using an infrared scanner to scan pupillary distance, seg height, that kind of thing down to a tenth of a millimeter. So no more putting the, the, the black dot on, on your lens and, and measuring with the ruler. This is more, highly more accurate and it's a click of a button. Um, so we launched that and, and we were uh, successful at, at getting a number of, of clients on board. And it turns out our close friend Mariki in South Africa, um, her and I were in a dialogue and I was explaining exactly what I just explained to you in terms of an AR product. And I, I flippantly, after about 15, 20 minutes in the conversation, I said, Mariki, what if I told you everything we've discussed is an augmented reality, something on your iPad, on your tablet, on your iPhone, on an Android device, what could be done if we put things into a virtual reality environment? And she struggled with that for a couple of minutes. And I said, well, let me give you an example. We have access to new technology where we can track your focus in independent eyes to a fraction of a second. And 30 seconds, it was, Jeff, now you're dealing with things like reading. And she didn't finish her sentence. And I said, oh my God, do we have the opportunity to screen and possibly even diagnose something like dyslexia as a question? She didn't let me finish my paragraph and she's jumping in and saying, do you know how you treat dyslexia or one of the ways you treat dyslexia? I said, absolutely not. She goes, well, there's like a, roughly 12 commercially available lenses that stimulate that portion of the brain to help alleviate. It doesn't cure, but it helps to improve performance everything from a blue, yellow, red, purple lens, right? At which point I get on the phone with my IT guys immediately and within 48 hours, we were able to get the lens reports for, the, for a handful of those lenses and prove that we could put it into a virtual environment, prove that it would be identical in terms of refraction, wavelength, transmission, absorption. So what you see is what you get in a virtual environment. The beauty, it turns out, is that in a virtual environment, there's 12 commercially available lenses. And let's say 480 nanometer blue is what you would need. Right. Is it, real, is it really 480? Or we have in a virtual environment the ability to scroll it up or down one nanometer at a time and get personalized medicine. You might need 472. So that's where 
the stem off into Vision Vision uh, Vision X, the the newest product uh, comes out from. Awesome. So this is really interesting, and I want to break down everything that you shared because I felt it was a really learning experience for me to understand that you come from uh, you know more of a biology kind of a background. You thought of something which an iPhone had as probably just as one feature. You had that, you know, having that curiosity is something which I would like to highlight in this episode. And I would want anyone who has any random ideas do write it down and try to implement things because you would never know how things in life would change with just an idea. There is a saying which goes like idea can change your life. I think that's so much relevant in your case. And the way how, you know, you were uh, placed in a different challenge of you know with the upgrade of iphone and you didn't know but you made that into an opportunity and you know gradually shift into something which was more for fun to something which is actually changing life with eye care products and services i think that's incredible journey to even map or talk about and that too within a span of three years of what you just shared right so it's like you just thought of an idea in three years you had like three things already come up with variations and you know in a completely new space that's commendable, but I would want to kind of break uh, two pieces of what you just discussed. The first one is when you talked about measuring the frame or the eyewear, right? That's something which is, there are several apps that are floating around, but what we discussed earlier on this, before getting on this episode was, I really like how you said, and you briefly mentioned as well, that it is very realistic view of you know what that frame or that virtual try-on will look like can you highlight a little more on you know what goes in developing such technology or how is your product different than the others yeah yeah appreciate uh, your stemming down this road because um though the ideas come i'm not unique to that i think uh, everybody out in the world has ideas Right. If there's one lesson to be learned here is take action on your idea. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I'm not even going to suggest I was the first one to come up with the idea. I might be one of the first to take action on it. Right. Right. Um, so the encouraging thing is, you know, when you have a passion or you see something, don't don't fear it. Plow into it. Um, in terms of the vision where and, and the um, steps that we moved into it. One, being a scientist, I knew that I wanted to be the most accurate. So the idea, obviously, with using actual CAD files, actual manufacturing three-dimensional CAD files, um, made sense to me. If you were to say what was one of the initial hurdles, shockingly, we'll call them the, the brands, because I wouldn't call them even the manufacturers, right? The manufacturing is done someplace else. <laughs> but the, the brands themselves don't even have access to those files nine times out of 10. Mm. It's at the manufacturer. That someone has them, but no one knows where they're at. They're not like in a traditional, hey, here's my Dropbox for, for these files. Um, so getting access to those files, it was, um, it was and still is to a large extent a major obstacle. Um, not terribly difficult. You can still take a 2D drawing and convert it into a 3D but that's not our forte. We're, we're, we're app developers. We're not 3D imagers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was never going to compromise on accuracy. Um, when it turned into the accuracy of the measuring, um, Apple does a really good job and, and had to because of, of facial security 
being accurate. So we didn't have to really reinvent the wheel there other than to come up with some um, algorithms to place the frame appropriately on your face, which is slightly different than my face, which would certainly be a lot different than if I were to place them on my six-year-old's face. Right. Right. So there, that took some time. And, and there are some, some minor things behind the scenes that took us a lot of tweaking. Um, and, and quite honestly, the junior frames didn't hit us until we actually had a client that had specifically had a need for junior frames. And it was like, oh, yeah, the, their head is not the same proportionality <laughs> as ours, right? So our algorithms had, had to change. So again, short pivots, they're, 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 they're obstacles, but not insurmountable obstacles uh, in the least too. Um, there's a lot of things that we learn um, behind the scenes to get that level of accuracy. It's not just slapping on, um, you know, a tortoise shell image. It, there's a lot of lighting issues that you have to work in in a three-dimensional environment. The materials, um, whether it be a metal frame, whether it be a plastic or an acetate frame, they all have different reflections in that. Um, uh, the, the most problematic ones are, are your very translucent frames. But we, we have those and we've worked through the, the issues. You could put your finger behind a virtual frame and you can, you can see the, the absorption, but you can still see your finger behind it. So it is as close to representing real life as, as we can possibly get. I think that's very interesting how you mentioned that the entire focus of your product was on accuracy, even though you did have your uh, hurdles in getting things to make it accurate, you did find uh, solutions and pivoting, as you've rightly mentioned, to make sure that, you know, whatever your idea is becomes reality. And now focusing on the latter half, which is the Vision Wear X, which I felt was very interesting of, you know, how you pivoted from just like a filter as an initial thought to something as a solution and a treatment option, a screening or a diagnostic tool for learning disability, specifically talking about dyslexia. Uh, I actually want to uh, ask you, what all does it uh, measure? Because I did see and did my little bit of a research and it did mention, you know, from an optometry standpoint, it does reading speed, it does like reading accuracy, but it also measure eye movements and, you know, like what are the, what are other things that are measured or assessed using that device? Yeah, great, great question. One of the biggest challenges into moving into the screening and diagnostic market specific to learning disorders such as dyslexia is that it has been traditionally done on paper mm -hmm. and a screen can take upward two to four hour, one hour sessions. A diagnostic could take upward of eight one hour sessions to, to properly take, uh, take an individual through the process. And being the scientist that I am, I investigated that further and I said, uh, time out. About 90, 95% of this testing process is highly subjective. What, quanti what quantitative data are you collecting, Mr. Clinician, to actually make a call? Mm. It's, it's based on experience more so than anything else. You can measure words per minute. You can measure you know, how long did it take you to take the entire test. You can look at a little bit of retention rate. But aside from that, it's very difficult to quantify what's really going on with that, with that student, right? And I said, hands down, 
we've got to have we have we, we have to have data. The scientist in me says data doesn't lie, and it, and it's very difficult to refute when you actually see numbers. Um, what are the numbers that we can put into this? Well, that's when we started talking about uh, eye tracking. Well, in real time, we can track to a fraction of a second. Are you reading left, right, up, down, diagonally? Or is your eye fluttering back and forth, back and forth at, at a rapid speed? That's all real time. That's all being collected. Um, are you nervous? Well, let's be honest. Most kids that know that they have and struggle in the educational system mm-hmm. are anxiety ridden, have issues with, with with taking tests. Um, and I said, well, is there a way to monitor that? And initially it was, hey, I, the iPhone, you know, whatever version this is now, the, the newest seven or whatever, has biometric data in it, right? Can we measure heart rate, respiratory rate, pulse rate, that kind of thing? That would be a good indicator for, for stressors. And it turns out that uh, our team had, had been working on a separate project using a different tool that, that um, was better. And now we have a, a ancillary hardware system that will be in, semi-integrated into the VR system that will measure those, those biometrics in addition to five EEG wavelengths. So as a researcher in dyslexia, unless you're working at an academic institution, you really don't have access to EEG wavelengths, right? Right. Um, but is it valuable information? Yeah, in real time, you can see, <clears throat> are you being stressed? And I came up with the idea uh, during that process and saying, all right, good, we can do it, right? Yes, we, in a proof of concept, we were, we're able to show that we can do it. Great, guys. Next question is, in this environment, does it make sense? Because if they're stressed out, they're in an environment right now that is a school environment or in a clinical setting. What kid wants to be in that setting to take a test? Can can we calm them down in a virtual environment? Can I put them underwater? Can I put them in an outer space? Can I put them at the beach? Can I put them at a picnic setting? And my guys were like, absolutely. It's virtual. We can put them anywhere you want. We can put any sounds in the background that you want, right? Um, So that's the first part of the screening process is to figure out where do these kids need to be before they even take the test? Let's calm them down as much as possible, right? Um, so that was enlightening. Now we're in- implementing things like AI so that uh, when they're taking the test and they have to verbalize and say what was phonetically read off of them in the headset, pronounce the word correct. Well, they, they, they say it. And if they say it wrong, AI will be able to determine that, put it back. The phonetic will say it back to them properly, try it again. And then it will keep doing the loop until they get it right. But it's also tagging how many times do they get it wrong to give the clinician an idea of what level are they really at. Um, and then add in you know, the fact that VR has the ability to control all five senses, right? So it's not just visual and tracking the eye, but it's also auditory and verbal, but mm-hmm. it's also tactile so we can measure the amount of pressure in the pen as they're gripping it and writing and answering questions and writing down the words we actually have the ability with new technologies where we can put a plug in and control olfactory so if i found that you needed lavender to be misted while you're taking test net that to improve mm-hmm. we have that we have that functionality as well 
that's 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 so interesting to see how technology can really change uh, the way we are delivering or even visualizing healthcare because i i totally agree there's been a lot of discussions happening lately where you know uh, patients in general it's not just dyslexia even in general like everybody would want to do any kind of a health test not just i care or uh, would be much better if they are more in their comfort zone or say if I can do something on the beach, I would not want to go to the hospital, right? People always dreaded with the word hospital or a clinic or something where you have to be under pressure or tested. If we can do something which can be more patient-centric, where patient can be wherever they want to be more comfortable and in a more gamified version of how you know things are kind of presented now, where a VR is actually testing everything but it doesn't feel like a test and on it, exactly exactly yeah. and, and you hit the nail on the head I, um up till now we've talked about screening and, and diagnosis ultimately our, our long-term goal because of our partnership with, with uh, stark griffin as you you're aware of they have a process for helping right the therapy we're going to not only VRify it, my coin term, but to your point, gamify it. We right. want these kids to be in a Roblox or a, or a Minecraft type environment to get them energized and say, I actually enjoy my homework. It's not a, it's not a detriment. It's actually potentially fun. Right. Um, and, and what I failed to men mention is probably the biggest factor um, and benefit to, to what I described in terms of the diagnosis is all that data is extremely relevant to the clinician, whether it be an optometrist, clinical psychologist, whomever. But it's equally, if not even more important, to the parent or guardian, because we're recording the entire session from a first-person perspective. For the first time, they get to see what their kindergartner or first grader is actually seeing on the screen. Right? How is their eye moving? Where is it going on the screen? How much are they truly struggling? What kindergartner is going to be able to describe what's actually happening? But when right. a parent can actually see it, talk about empathy now. Now they get it. And now we put that into a therapy to see how they're progressing. That's game changing. Absolutely. And I think that is what I was even going to highlight. Uh, the fact that everybody now can like Google and know about every condition, right? They want to study and research. But the fact that say, I would say the trend is to be actively part of the treatment program and not just be sitting and asking a doctor, okay, give me a pill, I'll eat and I let the magic happen. The current day patient or like even parent for these kids are not in that scenario. They want to be actively involved. With paper and pen, you can show a gradual change, but using technology, even a minor change can be tracked and be visible that, hey, we are moving in the right direction. See, you know, they progressed. It will be like more closely monitored. And it, I feel it's a more positive way of working towards a pro better prognosis versus waiting for six months and then saying, oh yeah, you read two letters extra, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, And, and quantifiably, what, what are they measuring? It, it's all right, I went from 35 words to 40 words. Right. Is that good? Right. But we can now plot where are they in their in their track compared to the norm. So you can see, are they getting better? Are they getting back to the standard curve? Right. Um, the issue with dyslexia is that most dyslexics won't ever get back to the norm. They will have a plateau effect. 
but we can identify when do they actually plateau and, and it, you're at a stage where it probably will, just won't get any better, but we should be able to improve from where you're at. Right. Also, not just, not just about, you know, um, be able to identify when is a plateau stage for these kids, but it's also important for them to to be actively part of it and how the gamification or the VRification of this entire process will make it more fun to even sustain because sometimes you might have these patients on treatment for six months, three months, also a year. It is very hard to stay motivated with this kind of uh, treatment plan, which is more of a game and fun versus a task, which is a challenge where a parent has to run behind a kid to do something, you're definitely looking at a better outcome and more sustainability. Even if there is no outcome, you know, I'm sure the kid will just enjoy and that will be a better process for a parent or a guardian versus trying to do something where they don't even know when they're going to see the outcome. Yeah, you got it. Awesome. Now we did talk about, you know, the technology and I, which is very fascinating and fantastic the way things are going in the healthcare space. I want to know with, you know, you now having these, these products out there, what were your major roadblocks in the journey? Um, from a, the AR virtual try on and measuring uh, perspective, COVID was a big game changer. It, 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 it was still opportunity. And it wasn't as bad as, as we thought it was potentially going to be in those first 10 days. Um, but at the same time, um, we're dealing with, and, and you come from the industry, I don't, but you might agree with me that it's a very technology risk averse industry. It's one of the most I've ever come across. Um, it Take up of, of, of new technologies is um, met with a lot of resistance um, because it's, it's not a tangible out of the gate one, I've got to invest time, money, and energy to learn it, then market it, then utilize it, right? And what is my ROI on that out of the gate? Well, when you're a new company and a new technology, there aren't numbers to give you yet, right? The, the market hasn't given us enough data to support an ROI. It's a, you either get it or you don't. Now, I've always told, told my team out of the gate, if you look at the traditional bell curve, right, in MBA, I'm only really concerned with the first 8%, guys. <laughs> we shouldn't even be talking to the laggards. They're not going to get it. They're not going to want it. Right. And you could be doing yourself a disjustice talking to them and, and, and selling them something that they're going to just complain because they're not going to use it yet anyway. So in any market, there, there are the, the 5 to 8 percenters that are going to get it. And, and that's what you, your marketing has got to be very um, sticky to them, right? It, it might not cater to, to, to the latter market, but that's okay. Finding those individuals is still pretty difficult. <laughs> I, so I have to say, I definitely do hear you that, you know, how we are a little more of risk averse industry. Having said that, uh, I'm sure we are all trying to adapt and learn and we, we have our own struggles because of course, you know, as much as we as IK practitioners want to invest or have, technology in the practice, there is this technology now in every space from say, you know, patient management system to marketing tools to like diagnostics. So it's a little difficult for a practitioner to know where all should they invest. But having said that, yes, definitely there is a positive change that has happened during and post COVID in the industry for sure. And I would agree with you. It is slowly, slowly changing. Um, 
if you were to say the roadblock on the the VR side of things is a little bit different. It's not necessarily technology. This is an opportunity to take someone who, who you might not have gotten into a seat or an individual that's coming to your seat to just get binocular vision prescription. Mm -hmm. But now you might uncover something and now you've got a diagnostic, <clears throat> excuse me, a diagnostic test that can be done but it can also be a, lens, a new lens that you, you would have never sold if you didn't do the screen. So the, it, with the numbers of, you know, 20% of the population have some type of learning disorder, that's only two in every 10 people coming through your office that you can screen and, and, and now you're, you've got another revenue generator and you really haven't done anything other than let's screen them first and do they need a diagnostic after. Um, so from, from a VR perspective, the bigger hurdle is that from an eye care per perspective, um, IEP perspective rather, you weren't really relied on to do learning disorder diagnoses, right? About 5% maybe do, do a, a learning disorder. You, you'll screen binocularly and you'll screen for color, but that doesn't mean you're actually doing a diagnosis for dyslexia. It turns out that South, South Africa is the reverse. There are far more optometrists and IEPs than there are clinical psychologists. So and from that market perspective, they've been doing it for years. So that's why we're doing it in parallel and showing that, yeah, a, when you get trained through, through the system from Sandra Stark uh, Griffin uh, Academy, you too can go ahead and, and get immersed into what dyslexia is, how it is a brain problem, and how you can actually do the diagnosis, ultimately using our tool. Got it. So for those who haven't heard the previous episode, I would highly recommend all of you to kind of uh, check out our episode with uh, Sandra Stark and Mariki, where we're talking about dyslexia, which will give you a little more perspective of what we're discussing today. But what we're basically trying to say is with the newer technology comes a learning as well, because, okay, the technology is here. Uh, you know, Jeff has been kind enough to, you know, talk about that and bring this technology to us. But if you don't know how to use it, how to diagnose it, how to screen it, it won't really generate any ROI for you. So it's important for us to, along with optometry, learn the basics of the learning disability diagnosis and do the course and then move forward at the next step to you know, incorporate this technology because patients or kids are coming in your clinic with learning disability. It is only up to you how you can diagnose screen or treat, you know, whichever path you want to start with. But if you can start just with screening, it will still add to more value for your patient. So definitely look into like, and I'll be dropping the link of that episode in this description as well. Do check it out, but it's definitely something to keep an eye out for. So we did talk about the major roadblock, but I also want to know with like so much coming on uh, from VisionWareX, I already feel we are in a very futuristic space, but I want to know what's next. What's, what are, what's coming out more out of VisionWareX in the future? What people need to keep an eye out for? Um, from a simple perspective in terms of um, uh, what's going into VR, I, I think not only learning disorders, but let's take it back to a traditional practice perspective. Um, because we have the ability to take a lens report and mimic it in VR, 
why don't I put you into a 360 video of you skiing down a hill and now swap out lenses? Which, which lens do you want for your ski goggles? What lens do you want when you're actually golfing and put you into a golfing environment, right? Um, the way I, the concept that, that I came across this one was how many people in your practice suffer from nighttime driving blindness? Mm-hmm. At 10 o'clock in the morning, how do you simulate that? You can't unless you're in VR, right? right? And as a practitioner, you have a handful of lenses available to you from different vendors that, that address that issue. But how do you know which one's the best one? Mm-hmm. What if I told you I can simulate you driving in fog or at night in a hailstorm and, and with oncoming traffic on the turnpike and you just scroll through and, and let them choose, this is the lens that's best for me. It might be more expensive, it might not be, but they're making the call, not you. Mm-hmm. So from a simple perspective, that's going to be integrated into, into the VR uh, system as well. Um, ultimately, by the end of this year, we'll have dyslexia and, and it's clinical and, and rounded out through clinical. So that'll be the first true clinical di- screening diagnostic product. Uh, I mentioned that behind the scenes, once that is completed, we'll go into the therapeutic and, and gamified therapy. Mm-hmm. But simultaneously, we'll be working with about four other learning disorders or, or other disorders, everything from Erlen syndrome to dys- dyscalculia, dysphoria. Um, turns out, Mariki found this one out by accident, AMD. Mm-hmm. Using lenses can actually inc- increase visual acuity with someone who's suffering from age-related macular degeneration. Who knew? Um, then ultimately we see this baseline platform having value in, in multiple verticals, everything from PTSD to ADD to ADHD, autism. Um, we're going to be here for a long time. That's wonderful. And I'm really excited. I really like how you mentioned. So, I mean, as far as eye care practitioners are concerned, right, just that one feature that you highlighted initially of, you know, changing the lenses or showing how different lenses work in different environment. People were used to using a tool on an iPad where they could display the differences, but it's still outside, right? It's still a guesswork. With your technology and the VR, you're actually taking the guesswork out and you're showing the reality in a virtual world. So I'm pretty sure this is a great experience. I have to say this, I think a couple of years back at one of a trade show, I had seen how Johnson & Johnson had used VR. It was, I think, very early on of showing how you can see through contact lenses. And that experience was amazing. I can, I can see that, you know, how VR will help us stimulate the same kind of an experience with different lenses. And also it will be more of a selling tool to upgrade patients to better products, right? And I mean, of course we want to make sure that they choose the best for them, but it will also help you to upgrade your patient easily versus spending 30, hour, 30 minutes to convince them. I, I, and I, I think you subliminally probably didn't even pick up on it, but you probably hit on it is the fact that this VR has the capability in the not too distant future to even do things like refraction. Now you've got a whole instrumentation change and now you've got one system that can do a dozen different things at a fraction of the cost of your $20,000 instrument uh, that's in your practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think so far we have 
discussed a lot about the technology, lot of exciting thing coming, and I'm looking forward to learn more about this. But we're going to now segue into our uh, game segment, which is the rapid fire, just for me to know a little more about you as a person, and not about the entrepreneurship or technology. So we're going to keep those things a little bit aside and just going to focus on who you are and what you like. So are you ready for the rapid fire round? Sure. Awesome. So we'll start with your favorite destination. Uh, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Awesome. Your hobby or things you do when you're not thinking about vision care or, you know, VR, AR solutions. Um, I used to be an avid golfer until my back went out, but uh, uh, the, uh, doing things with my family, everything from uh, taking trips to Vegas last week uh, to see the Grand Canyon, right? Just, just vacationing with, with family and such. All right. So I'll say traveling is probably one thing that you enjoy doing. Awesome. One thing about you that you that people don't know about. Um, people don't know. Shockingly, most people that are close to me know I'm highly introverted. I can fake being extroverted, but I don't like it. <laughs> you are you are an entrepreneur. How can you be an introvert? Oh no, I'm I'm very much introverted, but it's a it's a trained attribute that I learned early on to to circumvent that. I I feel far more comfortable speaking in front of a thousand than than you and I one on one, but that's a trained skill, not 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 by nature. Awesome. And if you were to interview a guest, dead or alive, who would that be, and what would be the question? Ooh. Um, Uh, I would say Jesus Christ, and it wouldn't be a question. It would just be a thank you. Awesome. And if we were to write an autobiography about your journey, what would you like the title to be? Um, tenacity. What does that mean? Uh, t- being tenacious, uh, perseverant. Awesome. Loved it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. That's you. <laughs> and one thing that you would like to change in the healthcare eye care industry, what would that be? I think VisionWare X is the answer to that. <laughs> awesome. Loved it. So with that, you did fantastic in the rapid fire round. I think it was fun and easy. Good job. And before we end this episode, I would like you to share one takeaway message for all my listeners. Sure. And, and, I, and I appreciate the fact that it's a nerdy optometrist. Um, uh, in the end, we all know that nerds rule the world, right? So take your idea. Take action on it, even if it's a few phone calls, you know, bounce it around. Um, Don't be afraid of not sharing it and don't be afraid of not taking the action on it. It, It's possible, especially in this world. The answer is literally a Google away. I loved it. So I loved how everything sums up to being a nerd. And, you know, like I really loved your takeaway message. So definitely be a nerd out there and, you know, believe in yourself. Uh, Thank you once again, Jeff, for all the insights and for everything that you're doing. Really looking forward to see, you know, how every one of us can implement or learn a little more about Vision Varex. as soon as possible for all my listeners i'll be dropping in all the links in the description below along with the link of the previous episode that will help you better understand the importance of learning disability and with that thank you so much once again for your time really appreciate it well thank you so much it's been a pleasure uh, just 
uh, chatting with you and learning, learning a little bit more about you as well. Next no. time I get to fire questions at you. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.